elderly bishops stood at the door of the monastery, gazing out at the sands of the Egyptian desert. In his hand was a message that could potentially change the history of the church. The messenger had risked his life sailing up the river to bring this message to the remote monastery. The content of the message was simple but clear. The emperor is dead. For the last five years, the bishop had sought refuge in a series of monasteries built into limestone cliffs in the upper reaches of the Nile River. Hundreds of monks had stood as his guardians, prepared to lay down their life to keep him out of the hands of the authorities who wanted him dead. These men who kept watch in prayer for long hours, day and night, had moved their beloved bishop to safety whenever soldiers passed through these lands. Their vow of silence came in handy whenever soldiers tried to interrogate them about the bishop's whereabouts. As the bishop looked again at the message in his hand, he could not help but reflect over the horrors he had witnessed over these last decades. His whole life had been spent defending the central doctrine of the faith. Ever since he had helped to formulate the words of the creed, he had been fighting to hold back a wave of chaos that threatened to destroy the church. With the hot desert wind blowing against him, he found himself whispering the words of the creed. So many faithful Catholics had given their life in defense of these words. Later generations would recite these words without feeling or comprehension, but in this moment, these words seemed to echo with the cries of the martyrs. As he whispered the words, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, he couldn't help but hear the sounds of his people screaming as they were cut down by the swords of soldiers. As he closed his eyes, he was once again tormented by the sight of monks being trampled to death as they tried to save their bishop from being arrested. He continued to mouth the words, begotten not made, consubstantial with the Father. These words seem to bear the haunting silence of so many years spent in exile. He tightened his grip on the message that lay in his hand. If the Emperor was dead, then this could be the end of his time in exile, the end of the nightmare that had broken upon the church. He had been a bishop for nearly 40 years. He had spent nearly 17 years in exile. His physical strength was beginning to wane, but the fire inside of him was as strong as ever. He had no idea what fate awaited him if he was to return to the city, but the time of hiding had ended. Athanasius, the true Bishop of Alexandria, would once again return and defend the true faith of the church. The story began at the end of the third century. Athanasius was born around the year 293 in the city of Alexandria in Egypt to a Catholic family that was wealthy enough to provide him with a solid education. Like most children, he learnt through playing games that imitated the world around him. There is a story told that one day the Bishop of Alexandria was standing by his window, looking out towards the shore, when he noticed some young boys playing a game near the water. It appeared that one of the boys was pretending to baptize his friends. When the bishop summoned the boys to question them about this game, 
he realized that the young Athanasius, who had been standing in the role of the bishop, had used the correct words and formula for a baptism, meaning that he had actually baptized his friends. The bishop decided to recognize the baptisms as being valid and chose to mentor Athanasius in the hope that he might pursue a vocation. Around the age of 25, Athanasius became the secretary and chief deacon of Bishop Alexander. It was during this time that he wrote his first two major works of theology, which explained the divinity of Christ and the relationship of the Trinity. The bishop encouraged Athanasius to travel around Egypt and meet some of the early monks and hermits who were living in the Egyptian desert. This gave him a chance to meet the famous Saint Anthony of Egypt. Athanasius would later write a biography of this saint and his relationship with these monks would eventually provide him with a safe haven later in life when his life was being threatened. While Athanasius was serving his apprenticeship under Bishop Alexander, trouble was brewing in the diocese. A priest called Arius had been working in Alexandria. This priest had a reputation for living a life of intense self-denial, a man of pure morals and strong convictions. His personality captivated and charmed those he worked with, and he was regarded as having an aura of intellectual superiority. The problem was that he was promoting a heretical version of theology. Arius was claiming that Jesus was not divine, but that he had been created by God. This belief planted a bomb at the heart of Christian doctrine. If Jesus was not divine, then God is not a trinity. The doctrine of salvation falls apart, and the whole of the Christian teaching is undermined. This teaching poisoned the whole work of salvation. Yet it took root among the people because it was communicated in a way that seemed to make so much more sense than the orthodox teaching. Arius used his personality to explain this false teaching, using songs and rhymes that appealed to the common person in the street. The Bishop of Alexandria could see the danger of this teaching, and he forced Arius to leave the diocese. However, by the time the Bishop acted, the teaching of Arius had already spread to many other places. Arius had already won over a number of other bishops to his way of thinking, and he was given protection by Bishop Eusebius of Nicomedia. This teaching began to create a huge division within the church. It wasn't long before the emperor became concerned that this could threaten the unity of the whole empire. In 325, the emperor Constantine called a council of all the bishops of the church to come to resolution about the true orthodox teaching. It was only 12 years since the emperor had ended the persecution against the church. Bishops gathered from across the Mediterranean, bearing the visible scars from having been tortured and imprisoned for the faith over many years. Athanasius joined Bishop Alexander at the council and together they played a significant role in proving that Arius was in error. The council presented a clear definition of the true faith and condemned the teaching of Arius. The bishops were united in affirming that Jesus was divine, leaving us with a famous statement of faith that we recite to this day in the Nicene Creed. 
The emperor tried to make the result very clear by declaring, if any writing composed by Arius should be found, it should be handed over to the flames, so that not only will the wickedness of this teaching be obliterated, but nothing will be left even to remind anyone of him. And I hereby make a public order that if someone should be discovered to have hidden a writing composed by Arius and not to have immediately brought it forth and destroyed it by fire, his penalty shall be death. As soon as he is discovered in this offence, he shall be submitted for capital punishment. The Orthodox teaching had been defended and peace had returned to the church but not for long. Five months after the Council of Nicaea ended, Bishop Alexander died. Athanasius was appointed the new patriarch by popular acclaim, even though he had not yet reached the age requirement for being appointed to this role. The first years in the role of patriarch were peaceful, but trouble was once again stirring in the eastern parts of the empire. Despite the fact that the emperor had sent Arius into exile, he gradually became more lenient towards those who followed this heresy. Arius was allowed to return on the condition that he changed some of his teachings. Then Bishop Eusebius of Nicomedia started working to change the direction of the church. He began lobbying the emperor on behalf of Arius to bring him back into full communion with the church while at the same time trying to silence Athanasius. Eusebius arranged for some of his supporters in Egypt to present a range of false charges against Athanasius, claiming that he was demanding money, ill-treating supporters of Arius, and that he had committed treason against the emperor. Athanasius successfully proved his innocence, but five years later, more accusations were presented. In 335, he was told to appear before the Council of Tyre to answer claims that he had been blocking grain supply to Constantinople. This time, his accusers won, with Athanasius being sent into exile for two and a half years to Germany. Athanasius devoted his time in exile to writing, producing a work defending the true identity of Christ and numerous other letters defending the faith. It was while he was in exile that both Arius and the Emperor Constantine died. Athanasius was free to return to Alexandria, but the battle for the soul of the church had not yet ended. Even though Arius had died, his supporters continued to impose his theology upon the church. Their greatest obstacle to success was the Bishop of Alexandria, so they continued to present false accusations in the hope of removing him from the scene. Athanasius was accused of every crime imaginable. Each time he defended himself without hesitation, but always with good humour. On one occasion, his enemies dragged him before a court and produced a withered hand, which they claimed came from a bishop who had recently died. They accused Athanasius of using this hand to summon the spirit of the dead bishop in a ritual of necromancy. Athanasius responded by presenting the supposedly dead bishop before the court to show that he was very much alive. And then he proceeded to show that the bishop had both of his hands. He smiled at the court and claimed that the poor bishop must have been born with three hands. 
when the Emperor Constantius took control of the throne, the supporters of Arius worked hard to win his support for their cause. As a result of their political dealings, Athanasius was again sent into exile to Rome. While he was in exile, Eusebius lobbied for another man to be appointed as Bishop of Alexandria. Even when Athanasius was declared innocent of the charges against him, he was not able to return to his diocese until the year 340, when Pope Julius proclaimed that Athanasius was the true Bishop of Alexandria, and that the false Bishop Gregory should be removed. Athanasius left Rome, leaving behind him a lasting legacy. During his time in exile, he had introduced the new concept of monastic life that he had witnessed in the Egyptian desert, paving the way for its full development two centuries later in the life of St. Benedict. Three years later, after his return from exile, Athanasius would once again be defending himself before the emperor after the followers of Eusebius persisted in trying to silence the bishop. Once again, he would have to leave his diocese for a couple of years until his name could be cleared. The following years were a constant battle for Athanasius. The followers of the Arian heresy increased in power and influence. Around the eastern region of the empire, priests who refused to agree with their beliefs were tortured or killed. Any bishop who refused to agree with their statement of faith would be deposed and an Arian bishop installed in their place. Athanasius was unflinching in the face of these threats, making him the main target of their fury. Athanasius fought tirelessly to retain his place in Alexandria until the persecution reached a level greater than anything he had previously seen. In the year 356, while conducting an all-night prayer vigil in the Church of St. Mary in Alexandria, 5,000 troops surrounded the church. While the deacon was reading the Psalms, the soldiers burst into the church, cutting down the faithful with swords and arrows. Some monks tried to hold back the soldiers to give the bishop time to escape, but they were trampled to death. Other monks shouted at Athanasius to leave, but he refused to go until the people were safe. Eventually he fainted at the sight of the horrors unfolding before his eyes. He was dragged out of the church by some of the monks before the soldiers could reach him. At this point, he chose to go into a self-imposed exile for his own safety and the safety of his people. A death sentence was imposed on him, meaning that even the desert was not completely safe. On one occasion, troops belonging to the Emperor were once again searching for him, seeking his arrest. The story is told that they came across him one night, but did not recognise him. They asked him whether he had seen Athanasius. He answered excitedly, Oh yes, I have. The soldiers asked, Is he far away? To which Athanasius replied, Yes, he is very close. You must hurry and keep going. Once they left, he went back into hiding. He lived for the next six years in monasteries in the desert of Egypt. Even though he was not physically able to continue the fight, he devoted himself to writing constant defences of the Orthodox position. The heresy continued to spread throughout the church until it seemed that every bishop had abandoned the divinity of Christ. St. Jerome would famously be quoted as saying, the whole world groaned 
and was astonished to find itself Arian. A brief ray of hope emerged in 362, when the Emperor Julian allowed Athanasius to return from exile. But eight months later, he would once again be ordered to leave the city and return to his desert sanctuary. This battle had always been about the divinity of Christ, but this new emperor had other plans. The Emperor Julian had been brought up as a Christian, but now decided to return the empire to its old pagan form of worship. Christians in public office were forced to sacrifice to the gods. Sorcery and pagan worship were now actively promoted and limitations were placed on any form of Christian worship. Athanasius now turned his attention to fighting against the emperor. His attacks against this return to paganism meant that Athanasius became the focus of the emperor's rage. The emperor Julian despised Athanasius, describing him as a meddlesome man, unfit by nature to be a leader of the people. He is not even a man, but only a contemptible puppet. In June 363, the Emperor Julian died while Athanasius was hiding in the desert. It is hard to imagine what thoughts must have passed through Athanasius's mind when he heard this news. He had been fighting this battle for nearly 40 years. He had spent 17 years hiding like a criminal, constantly fighting to defend his innocence against an endless stream of accusations that tried to destroy him. There would have been so many times when it would have been tempting to give in, to stay silent, to abdicate responsibility and hope that someone else would take up the fight. But in all of this, he persevered with good humour and strong courage. Athanasius had now outlived all of his enemies. The leaders of the heresy had died, the emperors who persecuted him had died but he remained as an impenetrable pillar of truth. After the death of the Emperor Julian, Athanasius once again returned to Alexandria where he was reinstated as bishop. A year later, he was once again banished for a final time of exile. But by this time, the tide was turning and the followers of Athanasius demanded that he be allowed to return. He was able to live out the final years of his life in peace, fulfilling his duties as bishop for the people he loved. The church would forever stand in awe of this man's courage and determination, summing up his life with the simple phrase, Athanasius against the world. Athanasius would be credited with almost single-handedly saving the church. His biography of Anthony of Egypt would go on to become a bestseller at the time playing a significant role in the conversion of St. Augustine. 1700 years later, his writings would still be central to any teaching on the theology of the Trinity. And most importantly, his life would inspire countless generations of Catholics to keep standing for the truth, even when everyone else had abandoned the true faith.